Regularly scheduled Sunday edition of the Chair Shot Podcast. I am your host, Barry Murphy, joined as always by my ever dependable co host. First of all, he's also the producer, Mr. Paul Griffin. How are you, Barry? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. I feel extra good this week because it's a two man show this week, which is always a disappointment. You know, we hate to let the fans out, but I feel a bit good because it's actually not me who's missing for once. <laughs> um, so that's good. I've showed up for work. Yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, big ups to myself for that. Uh, Al Tony is is off. He's uh, I don't know what he's doing to be honest. I I didn't know until you pointed it out today that he was off. So uh, I think he's in. I've gone by his Instagram. He's someplace very nice. But I don't remember where. Didn't he say he was going to Yorkshire, or was that that he had been in Yorkshire last week? I don't remember. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like he. Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, he'll come back next week and tell us all about it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, is Yorkshire nice? I don't know much about Yorkshire. Yeah, I say, look wherever wherever he is looks nice. Is it Yorkshire where heartbeats? Okay, confirmed. He is in Yorkshire, by the way. We have on on the old Discord there. Okay. Yeah. I God, I haven't looked at that Discord in like years. I think I still have the app on my phone. Does it still be be busy? I I don't really look at it either. Okay. <laughs> See, when you said when you said we had confirmation, I assumed you went on his like Instagram story or something. No, Natty Pokerhead in the Discord. Okay. She went in and got the juice. She's, anyway, so he's she's our our little uh, Brad Shepherd or whatever here. Except her oh, her scoops God. are correct. Our own little Brad Shepherd. Oh God. <laughs> Poor Natty. She's what she's much lovelier than that. <laughs> Oh man! All right. Uh, so so uh, Joe will be back uh, uh, next week to tell us all about his trip to the set of Heartbeats. Um, <laughs> but, um, oh, that 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 gives me a little impromptu feature. Uh, shows that are rubbish, but that have a banging theme song. Heartbeat definitely on there. Yeah, Heartbeats. Why does my heart beat when heart? Yeah, it's good. Um, I thought. When you say that, you're going to jump into an impromptu feature. Shows that were shite and used to make you depressed because your parents would watch them on Sunday night before you had to go back to school. Um, I mean, you and I, from the beautiful free state of Ireland here, we, of course, have the quintessential example of Glenn Rowe. Oh, Glenn uh, Rowe. Which is like, it's like a, it's like a part of our cultural identity that every Irish person understands the joke of when Glenn Rowe came on and you didn't have your homework done. I actually I actually don't really get that joke because Glenn Rowe, by the time I was old enough to have homework, Glenn Rowe was off telly. Right. But I'm, I still know the theme and remember it being on and it being miserable. Heartbeat is another great example of that because Heartbeat I'm sure maybe if I was to watch it today, I might actually take something out of it. But I remember as a kid just thinking, this is the most boring program imaginable. And it says in, like, yeah, like mid-60s Yorkshire, like up the up the country, where it's just cops and a hospital and then loads of cows, I'm fairly sure. Yeah, um, I mean, Wicklow being the set of where Glen Rose said, it was kind of our, our Yorkshire equivalent, isn't it? You don't yeah. get more kind of, you know, nice vistas and toothless crowns than Wicklow. Um, 
So yeah, we close our Yorkshire. I'm sure someone's going to email in and, and, and take umbrage with that. <laughs> well, what has Wicklow got really? Uh, Glenda Lock and some um, some quite small mountains. That's it. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So um, uh, so as for so while while Townie's off adventuring, I've had a fairly quiet weekend, Paul. I've oh, sorry. Of course, Bray is in Wicklow. That's where all their wrestlers come from. Never mind. Fair enough. Yeah. So we've embarrassed ourselves there. You know, wrestling podcasters and Irish wrestling attendees. Um, that's where Fight Factory used to be based. Uh, when it was NWA, and then for a while, while it was Fight Factory, it was in Bray. Now they've relocated. But anyway, there you go. Uh, so I've had a quiet week, uh, Paul, since I last spoke to you on Tuesday. I've been dog-sitting, um, which, to be honest, has been quite uh, quite nice uh, uh, for a change of pace. Because uh, obviously last week I had all this craziness. I was traveling. I was going to uh, uh, Comic-Con and then OTT. And a few weeks ago I did I did Metallica. And then uh, I, did, I did the Chapel Trap House podcast the same the day after it's all very crazy uh i am looking at my calendar now and i'm very grateful for the fact that there's not a whole lot going on uh between uh between now and like ott and cork i don't think i have anything going on in my life so i'm uh i'm looking forward to having a few quiet weekends like this just me and roscoe looking after the boy you know making sure he's all right keeping him fed keeping him uh you know uh empty the old piss Uh uh-huh uh yeah, so it's been all right, you know. Been, uh, I've actually I'm back home at, at my mam's. She's away. Uh, yeah, my room is unrecognizable. Like it's like clean and stuff since I left. Um, so uh, so that's nice. But uh, yeah, fairly uh, fairly uneventful uh, week here uh, for me. Other than I just uh, I I don't want to smell dog food again for the rest of my life. Uh, so uh, what about you? What have you been up to there in uh, in the in the days since I last spoke to you? Uh, well, obviously. I had to make a nice Twitter, self-congratulatory Twitter post about it. But uh, we went bowling there yesterday, knocked down a couple of old pins. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a, a 126, which isn't too bad for oh, someone who already goes bowling the odd time. That's basically double what I did last week. So uh, I, I did only get a 75 in our first game, though. Okay. So we played we had two games of bowling. Just myself and Natty went to uh, Leisureplex in Kulak, beside where all them people keep getting killed these days. Um, and first game, I was beaten by a score of 75 to 85. Oh. Would you believe? And uh, I don't know why. Well, I got into this weird routine, right? As I said, I only scored 75, right? But where I would pick like the heaviest ball and I would throw it fucking straight as an arrow right down the center of the lane and it would hit into the pins but leave like five every time and I'm like why are these pins not being knocked down I can't throw it any more perfect than I am well okay hang on I I wasn't there but (laughs) like I'm just kind of I I just kind of have to take your word that you were throwing it straight as a yeah, you were Robin Trust Hood me. with this bowling ball. I couldn't believe it. It didn't make it didn't make physical sense that the, this ball was going as straight down the middle as it could go, and it wouldn't this knock is, down any more like, than like six pins. Like, 
This is like when you're playing a video game with your cousin, and he's like, yeah, the game is cheating. I got that guy. Oh, I shot him <laughs> 17 times in the head, and he didn't die. What's that, GoldenEye? That's bullshit. <laughs> it's like when you're playing uh, as children with your little finger guns, and you go, bang, bang, I got you. No, I got I got you first though. It's like no, I, I my shield on my shield, uh, and also uh, I, I'm impervious to <laughs> Kildare residents. And then and then I don't know how, but in the second game, I just suddenly got on this quite good streak of hitting like eights and nines every time at least, and then I got a strike on the final goal, which was nice. Uh, yeah, absolutely walloped poor Natty in the second one. <laughs> but, uh, oh, poor it, it was really weird, because, like I say, in the first one, she got an 85, which is a pretty bloody good score. Pretty good, yeah, it is, yeah. Um, And, uh, like, this is this this is what I, my thinking from the first game, right? Because we, we have two very, very different bowling styles, let's say, right? Because I was giving it the full fucking baseball pitch. Whoosh, down and the ball the ball is going from my my hand to hitting the pins in half a second it's going so fast and knocking down four pins and then natty has one where she'll like you know stand at the line and, and you know swing back and roll forward quite gently like and it'll it'll roll down and knock over like nine pins <laughs> how is this happening I, I, you've you've shown your hand a little bit there, and I'll tell you why. Mm. She described your throw as baseball. No, I, I I I I do roll the ball. I I don't, I don't throw it so it lands halfway down the down the lane. Uh, there was there was a girl. Your your description of of Natty's bowling kind of reminded me. There was a girl at the bowling in Tala last week before OGT, whose whose bowling technique I can only describe as Mr. Burns esque. <laughs> It, it is like that Simpsons where the, the the it's looking down, and as Mister Burns' ball is going, they're they're lining up and hitting down the pins ten times before his his ball hits the pins. Finally, it's abs- absolutely, abs- that was definitely happening. But she did all right. Like you know, it's it's you know, it's it's, it's a technique. It's well, we we had someone beside us, uh, another lady who. Um, <laughs> I didn't say it to Natty at the time, but I was definitely thinking I, I I should say it to her. Look, at least you're not this person. I don't know if you noticed the person who was playing in the aisle next to us. The ginger girl. The ginger girl. I don't remember. It might have been the ginger girl. Her technique was to hold the ball, to run up to the line, and just let the ball go, and it would hit with a fucking thunk every time, bang, and then go down the lane. It's like you know, you're supposed to like roll it. Like, do you ever watch curling the way they let it, sl- you know, ge- not gently in terms in terms of its speed, but you kind of you don't slam it against the floor. You let it roll along the floor. This girl was just running up and then letting it go, like she was trying to shake a cat off her arm or something. Bang. <laughs> so it was fun anyway. Um, not too expensive as well. I think for two of us to have two games was like 28 euro total. That wasn't, that wasn't too bad. That was a nice little nice little day out. And we were walking around the arcade and trying some of the... I had to go on the claw machine. Didn't win a thing. Uh, 
It's hard, isn't it? Hard. It's hard. Well, the trick is with the claw machine. I, I think I figured it out, right? It's a work. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I've won stuff in claw machines before, but I think what what gets you is the bigger the prize, the, the, the more you look at it and go, oh, look at that big Spider-Man t- plushie or whatever. But the bigger the prize, the heavier it is, and the weaker the claw is to get it out. So I've won, like, quite small little plushies in the past. But all, all the claw machines here had these really, really big ones. And the claw is just not powerful enough to grab them. Um, so I lost, whatever, two euro on that. Um, had a go on the one where, you know, you know, you put the coins in and it lands onto the like the drawer that's going back and forth, hoping to push some coins out. Uh, I won a 20 cent on that, which went straight back into the machine. And then it <laughs> didn't win. Um, they worked you. First of all, they worked you into thinking that getting that... that uh, uh, Getting that twenty cents is good, and then you immediately put it back. Yeah, in. well, it took me three twenty cents to get the one twenty cent. Oh God, you're not much of an economist. No, 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 no. I mean, you're just a bit cracking it. Um, so that was good fun, anyway. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Bowling is something I definitely enjoy doing. Um, try and get try and get bowling a bit more. Get real fucking good at it, and then whenever someone's around to play go bowling with i reveal that i'm really really good at it and can gloat and be a sore winner that's that's all i got up to anyway i don't think there was much else since obviously we recorded only on tuesday last week so i don't think much else happened in the meantime worth talking about yeah Um, so so, uh i suppose we can jump straight into to to game golf here what you've been playing in the week uh, I'm still playing Hitman 2. Yeah. Uh, I beat the first level, the um, Miami level, with the usual, got all the trophies, 20 out of 20 mastery, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, that level's great. To me, that level is up there with the Sapienzas and the um, Paris of the Hitman world. Yeah. Um, I, I, what I love about these levels is at, at initial the initial playthrough where you're like fuck this level is so big there's so much to do and then as you play it through so many times you quickly kind of learn your way around to the point that when you're picking up those final little challenges or the final xp or whatever you're uh you know exactly where everything is <laughs> and you can you're like fuck i need a screwdriver okay there's one way over there i'm gonna quickly get there grab a screwdriver come back blah, 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 blah. um so yeah, I love that. A L- lot of really fun kills in it as well. Um, I think there were there was one run through I did where there were two kills that you can kind of set up and let them take care of themselves. Where you like poison the eye drops of your man in the office and you just, bah, 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 do that and then you can run away. And then poison the IV drip of the racer or whatever. So I, I don't remember if there were two exactly that I did, but I set up these two and then I was just standing by the exit waiting for them to die. I think I went off and got a drink or something. When I came back, I just exited the level, got me XP. So that, that, that was a very satisfying um, kill. Um, and I've started playing now the next level, the uh, oh, the Colombian, I forgot, Santa Future, whatever yeah, it's called. Uh, yeah, that's fun as well. I've only, I've only done one run through of that. Um, I got two of the story missions done, and then I was doing the third one with the lady, where I was doing the one where you dress up as the shaman or whatever, 
But before I completed the mission, I saw an opportunity to drop drop a fucking box on this lady's head. So I did it and got mission failed, but didn't matter because I got the kill. Um, so I quite enjoyed that level as well. So really, really liking the game. I've, as, of course, I've only beaten really the first level, right, and the tutorial level. Um, and what this Hitman has that the previous 2016 one didn't is like also you have a level up in addition to your mastery. So you know when when you when you complete a level, you have your two progress bars, which are kind of going left to right. You have your mastery of the level, which goes through one twenty, and then you get XP for everything you do, like uh, new costume, unlock the door, and you get your XP for that. So I'm already level thirty three, um, even though I've only beaten the first level. I think that I think that's higher. It's been a while since I played yeah. you, but I think that's more than I've done, and I've done like four levels. That's kind of the way I play it, though. <laughs> I just replay the levels to death. On a, on a, I never have, yeah. Yeah. Like, it took me a long time to get, like, level 20 mastery on, like, Paris and Sapienza, and I think I only ended up doing those two. Yeah. Despite playing so much of those games. But, um, yeah, they're good. They're Very good. Well, it's funny because, I, especially on, you know, your IGNs and whatever of the world, they weren't super well reviewed even if they seem to be well kind of received um yeah. but they're definitely kind of scratched that that itch specifically for me that i just love and i definitely like to take any um recommendations for similar games i don't know about going back to the o- older hitmans or hitmen <laughs> no because i don't know i don't know how far back a step that is necessarily i mean they remastered absolution and, and blood money yeah uh, on the current generation of consoles, Blood Money is the template the new ones are based off, but even that has aged quite a bit. Just by virtue of being from 2006, it's kind of janky in a way that I don't know would be very fun to go back to. Mm. And then Absolution was the one where they tried to split the difference. It's only a couple of years old, that one, so that one might have quality of life stuff that's better, but that one tried to split the difference between Blood Money and a more traditional stealth game where you're literally linearly going through the levels and taking guys out in a certain order. Okay. Uh, I did not I did not care for that at all. It also um the new Hitman games have a perfect balance of, of the disguise system where it's like, you know, most people in your disguise can't see through it, but a handful of people kind of can. It's kind of believable in that sense of, oh well, you know, maybe so and so is like a manager and he knows all of his staff and but the other staff members won't yeah. see through your disguise. In absolution, um Disguises grant you access to particular places, but the compromise is that literally everyone else in that disguise sees through it. Okay. So when you're wearing a gardener outfit to, to sneak around someone's garden, uh, all the other gardeners can see through it. It's and it's maddening in execution. And the, the the way they work around it is you have a meter that you can burn, and he Agent Forty Seven literally just kind of covers his face. He pulls his hat <laughs> down or something okay. as he walks past. It's a terrible system, a terrible, terrible system. Um, it, that that was where the series really lost the run of itself. It it, it had Powers Booth in it, which was cool. Um, it tried to have a more cohesive, straightforward story, and it actually wasn't that bad. But uh, yeah, as as a Hitman game to play, which is what you want, um, I I don't think you should go back. I I, I well, I, I I do prefer the the good balance of you know realism, but f- fun to play. Um, like I always use the example that. Although I really enjoyed Firewatch, one thing that I didn't enjoy about it was 
you know, to pull out your map, your character would like look down at the map and you couldn't see where you were going. Yeah. And I was like, well, yeah, it's realistic that if you were to put, you know, in that character's shoes, you have your map, you pull it out, look at it. But I, I just want to play the game and have a, a fucking map on the UI that I can follow. I don't need to pull it out every time. I want to see where yeah. I'm going. So, yeah, prefer, even though like, I can kind of see the logic in, you know, let's say <laughs> at my job, we don't wear a uniform, but imagine some fucking stranger came in a uniform. I think everyone would go, who the fuck is that person? But, yeah, it, it would make the, fu- the game as fun or easy to play. So that makes sense. But that's all I've been playing. Um, I'm downloading Persona 5 to be my next game after I beat um, Hitman. Because at the rate I'm going, I'll probably beat Hitman within a couple of weeks. Um, and I, I do have that new York level that they just released. So I'll continue playing the content as it comes out as well. The bonus content. What about yourself, Barry? What you been playing? Um, I was going to ask, have you played any of the previous Persona games? No, but I've had Persona 5 bought for a while, so... Interesting. Okay, I've never I've never touched any of them. They never, they never seem like um, my kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I was I played, I think I made... I'm not sure if I made mention of this um, uh, on the last show, but I put a bit more time into my friend Pedro, uh-huh. which is that kind of 2D, uh, sort of Max Payne-y kind of slow-motion jump through the air... Uh, uh, shooter. It's a lot of fun. It, it, there really isn't kind of much more to it beyond what what it initially offers up, but it's it's good. And for like twenty quids, I, I, I would give it a recommendation. It's it's really solid. And I put a bit more time into Crash Team Racing. That game is fucking hard. It is so hard. Um, the AI on the normal level is just way more aggressive. Um, and I, I feel like the majority of races I've done. The, the finish line is chaotic. Like, there's just there's six people passing it at once, and there's, there's weapons being fired off and all this other stuff. Um, uh, from from talking to people about it, it seems like I may just need to knock it down um, uh, to easy, because it seems like a lot of other people are doing that. It's kind of crazy, in it? To the point that it's not really fun. I don't feel like I should have to knock the difficulty down on a fucking kart racer. Um, but it's just one of those things where the AI is, like, really clever, because I'll overtake someone close to the finish line and they'll just they'll just have a missile uh uh to which is like a red shell in mario kart and it's kind of like okay i don't think they just by chance had that it's like did the ai get that five minutes ago and hold on to it on uh, under the pretense i might overtake them close to the finish line or something like that like it's really tough uh, but it is good i think it looks and sounds great i love all the little character designs and i think it feels great it's a great feeling uh, a kart racer, and obviously Crash Bandicoot, you know, doesn't doesn't really stack up to the to the real big boys at platforming in the grand scheme of things. But I always thought Crash Team Racing was a really fantastic racing game, and and uh, this this remake or whatever you want to call it is uh, bringing the goods. So yeah, uh, that's that. The only other thing I don't think I mentioned last time was I played a bit of Void Bastards, which is a uh, a, a first person roguelike shooter with a comic book aesthetic. It's one of the best looking comic book uh, style games I've played in a long, long time. It looks gorgeous. Um, yeah, I saw you tweeted about it, and I thought, fuck, that, whatever that is, that looks cool. Yeah, I think it looks even better in, uh, in motion, because the um, the the enemies, I don't want to say they, yeah, yeah I suppose they, they don't animate, really. It's kind of like, they kind of just float around the level, like, like, South Park, like South Park characters, and then when they spot you, 
they they flip to a different uh, sprite that's like, oh, they, I'm attacking you, sprite, or I'm following you, sprite. And then when they when they attack, they have a separate animation again for that, or a separate frame of of, of illustration rather. It's very nicely done. Um, it looks great. Uh, it's got a nice little sense of humor. There's not a whole lot of dialogue in it, but there's lots of ambient jokes and stuff like that. Uh, it's basically you are a sort of uh, you're like a prisoner who's put in like some kind of instead of cryogenic freezing, they have this thing where you're dried up and stored in a pouch. Uh, and so when your character dies and they need to give you a new character, they like open this dusty packet and pour in some water, and there's your new character. Right. Um, and basically, you're doing prison labor, scavenging uh, aircrafts for uh for bits and pieces it's, it's it's really cool and like i said it's a roguelike so each character has unique stats they start you with a character who's a smoker so basically he'll randomly cough as you're going around the levels and that will alert enemies <laughs> kind of, uh, mild you're not doing stealth kills but there's kind of a uh, fight or flight aspect of it where you're kind of encouraged to avoid certain flights uh, certain fights rather and then you know this character has you know extra health or this character has a chance of a critical shot and uh it's good. It's it's really really good. It's twenty quid on Steam or Xbox. I think those are the only two places you can get it. But on both the PC and the Xbox console, it's on Game Pass, which is how I'm playing it. Mm. Uh, so uh, Game Pass on PC still in beta. Uh, there's a few little hiccups, but I'm enjoying it. And it is just one euro a month at the moment. So uh, so that's pretty good. Yeah. So if you like your roguelikes, uh, uh, Void Bastards uh, comes with a recommendation for sure. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's all the gaming I've done this week. Uh, should we jump on to movie golf? What have you been watching? Uh, well, uh, I only watched one movie, and I didn't even watch it in its entirety because I've seen it so many times. But um, after the podcast there last week, I came down and caught the last hour or so of Spirited Away, which is one of my favorite, favorite all-time favorite films. Um, and yeah, I've seen it. God, I don't know how many times I've seen it now. Maybe five or six times. But uh, it's great. It's obviously very Lewis Carroll, Alice in Wonderland inspired. It's one of those movies that feels a bit like a weird nightmare, which is just something that I usually enjoy in a film. And yeah. it's yeah, it's it's kind of simultaneously a kids' film, but it's kind of fucked up enough that it kind of works as not a kids film as well um to be honest i don't know that's a film that i show to kids i think there's a lot of quite grotesque uh, imagery in it and if, if if i saw it when i was a kid i probably would have been afraid of it yeah i still haven't seen it i'm a wimp i'm being called a wimp here that is by natty yeah that's a very disrespectful comment yeah natty uh, that's mean i mean it's an accurate comment as well to be fair um, but yeah, that film's so good. They were watching um, an English dub of it, though. Um, you usually do. No, I I will usually watch um, what? Oh God, what a fucking snobby! I only I only watch. I'm a sub boy. Oh no, dubs from war. Um, well, I've watched a few of them dubbed, but I, I'll tend nowadays to go for the the sub, and that's that's true of any kind of foreign film. Live action, animated, whatever. Um, although the Porco Rosso dub is is quite good. It's Michael Keaton in it, and he's very good. But uh, the first time I ever watched Spirit Away was the English dub, and so now the last time I watched it has also been there. 
But uh, yeah, that film is extremely good. It's probably yeah, top top four probably. I think I have it on my letterboxed uh, top four, and it's uh, deservedly there because that film is great. Alrighty, uh, I watched the new Men in Black movie. It uh-huh. was shit. So I've heard. Uh, so I wanted to go see something after work and uh, Child's for whatever reason Child's Play wasn't showing until like 9 o'clock I was like what are you showing this movie after the watershed for you ID people on the way in um, so I couldn't go see that and I committed to seeing Toy Story with my roommate who was unavailable and I was very annoyed and so I looked at the list of things and uh, I was like okay I've seen all this I've seen all this I'm not going to see the Avengers again no matter how much they beg um, and I was like okay I guess I am seeing Men in Black, and I regretted it about about 40 minutes in is when I was really struggling to fall asleep. I was doing that thing where I was like closing my eyes for like a second, and then I could feel myself jolt awake, like I stopped myself from sleeping. Ah, uh, that was me during X-Men. That, that was uh, quite embarrassing. Uh, also, so you've probably seen the trailer for this several times, because they've, they've shown it a lot. Um, uh, with little... You know, little um, What's the guy? Ah, oh, what's the man from uh, the Big Sick? Um, Playing the little bug eye alien, going. Oh, that was awesome. He's working with Dave Bautista in a new movie. Cam- Camille Nan- Nanjiani. 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 That's him. Um, oh, so- by the way, did you see Bautista's little salty tweet? Yeah. Oh, mate. Where? Well, no, he did the all right. Someone say Bautista, why are you not in them Fast Furious movies? And he says, uh, well, I only want to do good... Hashtag, I only want to do good movies or something, right? I was like, okay, when, yeah, when are you going to start? Yeah, and then someone tweeted him and goes, well, why are you in that fucking stupid Stuber movie? And he goes, because it's fucking awesome, hashtag dipshit. It's like, Dave, mate, you've just been in a movie where you're on a motorbike on top of West Ham's stadium, lad. You're not exactly <laughs> holding like, out... That? Is that, like... Is that not just Fast and the Furious, but bad? Like, that movie, you know what I mean? All those... Uh, Fast and Fast Furious, but not seen by a single person. Yeah, that's what... Mm. <laughs> very very good, Dave. And, like, I haven't seen any of the new Fast and the Furious movies. I've only seen the first two. But, like, Hobbs <laughs> and Shaw, I really want to see, because it looks preposterous. Well, f- f- 5, 6, and 7 are really great. Especially yeah. 7. Seven Fast and Furious 7 is brilliant. Uh, Batista... I don't think that he's done anything as good as those films. I know he's been in like small role in like you know Blade Runner and that, but like the Guardians know. one is like a modern classic. Oh, well, Guardians, of course. Anyway, um, and, but still, but that doesn't give him clout to just have a pop, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, what were we talking about? Men in uh, Black. Men in Black yeah. So, um, uh, you know the trailer where it's just full of jokes that aren't funny. Yeah, uh, and you watch it, and you go, "Oh God, this is the stuff they put in the trailer." Well, like that—that that thought is one hundred percent justified because it's like all that stuff is the funniest stuff in the film. Uh, there is there is not a laugh to be had in it. Um, it's fucking so boring. It is so goddamn boring. I couldn't even keep track of what was happening because I was dozing so much. Um, but yeah, so back week at the cinema with that one with that one viewing. Um, but yeah, so next week I'm going to try and see Toy Story, and I'll try and squeeze in uh, Midsummer. I'm very excited; it's finally out. Uh, it looks incredible. Um, 
So I'm going to try and get those in and see Child's Play as well before it leaves. So yeah. Uh, but that's that's moving off this week. Uh, uh, um, a low low movie week. Uh, you know, we, we we don't have Joe and we also uh, we just did a show on Tuesday. So you know, it's a bit, of a bit of a slower week here. But we got some big wrestling news to chit-chat about. Correct. Uh, we'll jump in here. Uh, just as we were getting ready to, to, to go on air, there uh, was the announcement that Charlie Morgan uh, of, you know, Pro Wrestling Eve and um, occasional cameos on NXT UK. OTT. Like She'd been an OTT. Yeah, one, one time OTT appearance, uh, frequent uh, appearances in progress. Uh, she had asked she was retiring which seemed really out of left field. I I wasn't aware she was currently dealing with an injury. Apparently, she's dealing with quite a bad foot injury. Uh, uh-huh. But she came out at Pro Wrestling Eve just earlier today and said that she was retiring at the age of 27, which is crazy to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah. What do you make of that? Another one. We had, of course, um, Kid Lycos as well. Uh, yes. Just, what, a month ago? Yeah, sucks. Yeah, just you know, um, uh, obviously it's it's the the um, the the grueling nature of, of of pro wrestling and and all that other stuff, and it, it is a shame to see such ta- you know young people and such talented people. I really enjoyed Charlie. That one time she was over on OTT. I was yeah. hopeful she'd be over again. Uh, it's, it's a shame to see, but um, but best of luck to her and whatever comes next. Anyway, so. Um, the funny thing is, I hadn't heard much about her injuries. Like, obviously, with Lycos, you'd hear nearly every—I don't make light of it—but you'd hear nearly every couple of months that he had another shoulder injury or another whatever broken arm. You don't—you didn't really hear that with Charlie Morgan. So, just I guess to me, that's why it was kind of more a surprise that this news came along today. So, not long after we finished our um, our show earlier in the week, some gargantuan wrestling news broke uh-huh. the return of Eric Bischoff <laughs> and Paul Heyman to WWE yeah um, what are their official titles they're like executive creative directors yeah like and they're basically people are assuming it's a, it's a creative role because they've been assigned over Raw and Smackdown respectively with Bischoff on Smackdown you're right um uh, it's very, very bizarre. I don't think anyone saw this coming. I did not predict this. I didn't even think they were going to do any kind of grandiose hires, you know, before the big Fox move. I, I didn't. I thought they were going to go with the crew they had. Um, but yeah, I guess let's let's try again with these two guys who've you know never really been able to work properly um, within within the WWE system. Well, Bischoff, as far as I know, was only ever on-screen talent on WWE. Yeah, you know, but he he also, you know, he he always, I I don't know, he's been very outspoken since he left and stuff like that. I mean, the better, yeah, the better example is Heyman, who's been actively involved in in creative roles um, and has just had a lot of success. I mean, obviously, his, his early SmackDown work is really acclaimed, but then, you know, that didn't last, and then he did the whole ECW thing and, and all this other stuff. Um, I am very curious to see how this pans out. Although I will say it's it's a bit desperate, isn't it? That they're pulling in these names from the nineties to try and write the ship. Um, I I mean with Bischoff specifically, yeah. Because Heyman to me, 
although his heyday as a you know creative in terms of wrestling was whatever more than a decade ago he still seems like he's he's got his finger on, on the pulse of of kind of what's going on you know he has obviously his little uh what's a Heyman hustle his little production company thing and yeah you know he's still he's still got a finger in a few pies bischoff seems like he's he was completely kind of um kind of tapped out on wrestling <laughs> give or take i know he does his podcast but it's a very retrospective podcast yeah it's a very in the past podcast and he has never struck me as someone who's uh watching tape brother no. um you know what i mean um like I don't know. It, it, it's just he, he doesn't really seem like someone who likes wrestling a whole bunch. Um, you know, when when he's not when he's not um, involved directly in it. Like you know, how much TNA did he watch before he went to TNA? I wonder. Um, uh, which, by the way, that is probably a better, more recent example of Bischoff's modern. Uh, yeah, I, I, I completely forgot about his TNA era. Which is perfectly understandable. It's perfectly understandable, but. Um, but yeah, so I, I I don't know. I think it's I think it is hard to say because it's like uh, Heyman's had positives and negatives, and a lot of the negatives could be blamed on his circumstances in the ECW thing. But also, you know, I don't believe it. I don't believe it entirely shooing the blame off to the company. Like at a certain point, he has to be accountable for it as well. And Bischoff, I mean, yeah, I mean, the guy hasn't hasn't really been successful in wrestling booking for like twenty years. Um, and you know, having a podcast where he kind of just he plays the shock jock and the the, the beef starter. And just spends his days taking a shot at Meltzer. It does not, yeah, it doesn't doesn't do much for me. Um, <laughs> but they are in need of a change. Um, so I guess this is as good as any. Do we well, know I, when this is effective from? Is it immediately or is it? Um, they put out. A, I did not read the official press release they put out, but I, I would assume it's straightforward. It's now-ish if they're um, uh, if they're. Because I'd be curious to see how the next few weeks look. Because if after a few weeks, ultimately, it's all, you know, it's the same writing staff. It's Vince McMahon still at the top. I mean, how big of a change is ultimately going to bring with it is what I'm interested to see, particularly. And if, <laughs> let's be super optimistic here, if they can kind of turn the boat around creatively, is there interest again in Ron Smackdown? For people like us who are like so burnt out on, what, years of the same old shite? It would have to be. It would have to be pretty game changing. I will say. And again, like you said, like how much power are they really going to have? I, I don't know if they're going to have the power to implement the changes I want, and they are still going to be answering to Vince. So um, is is there still going to be um, pooper scooper or or the stuff that we had heard about in the Moxley podcast? Yeah, the smelly uh, fans. That's good shit. Yeah. So are you? Know, are they going to be able to tell the writers, "Hey, we're going in this different direction. You're not going to use shit like that," and then it's not going to lead to them butting heads and Vince, and 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 us all going back to square one. Well, I mean, I know we do our yearly predictions, but do you think thirtieth of June, twenty twenty, that both of them are still in the position? Both of them? No, I'll say no. One of them? Yeah, too hard to tell. I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I'll say one of them. Yeah, I'll say one of them. Who do you think is the most likely? Bishop. I don't. You would think. I honestly, I I think yeah, e- yeah. Even though Heyman, I I'm 
more bullish on the idea of Heyman having something to do. I feel like he's just so unable to deal with Vince's shit. I feel like he's more likely to crash out. I would say, and uh, I don't think I don't think uh, uh, Bischoff will be any kind of success. But I think he'll he'll avoid controversy long enough to stay employed. Ironically, uh, funnily enough, yeah, I heard it creates cash, but you know, so does <laughs> being so does being a good boy. Um, I love as well. Uh, almost every photo I've seen. On you know your your typical websites about this, use a picture of Paul Heyman from nowadays and a picture of Bischoff from his like two thousand and two run. <laughs> it's like the fucking uh, Ric Flair picture they have on Raw next week. Uh, it's <laughs> Ric Flair from two thousand and one. Oh god. So, uh, so that's something that, that I think we'll need to see a few weeks the direction um, the things are going before we can really look at this and say what the effect of it will be or whether it's a good thing or, or a thing at all. Yeah, we're not going to know. So, um, yeah, I've also I've also enjoyed the theory that they're setting these two up to be the fall guys, specifically Bischoff, if the Fox deal goes tits up for um, just back down. Yeah. Good idea. But, the the canary in charge of uh, the power plant. <laughs> that famous uh, metaphor. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So should we jump into A E Dub Firefest fight fighter fest fighter fest? Yeah. We both watched so, it, folks. We both watched it. Did you watch the pre-show? I only watched the first match. Well, uh, you watched the good part then. Yeah, skipped uh, the rest because I took one look and I went, no, not watching that. The uh, the opener was fantastic. So it was best friends beating private party and SCU. Yeah, uh, um, tremendous match. Uh, all action. Uh, lads going crazy, doing all kinds of stuff. Real coming out party for private party. They were great. Fun. They were great. Uh, they were fantastic. And the, the lads, the lads all held up there. I mean, they did their obviously flashy moves. But I, what I really liked about um, Isaiah Cassidy was I thought he sold really well as well. Yeah. I was watching him say, I was like, this guy's really good. Yeah, I was surprised at how, like, across the board, really entertaining they were. People that I really had not heard of before AEW. No. Um, the only thing I'd seen of them prior to this was the Battle Royal they were in last time. Uh, mm. So, so uh, well done to them. Yeah, and so uh, Best Friends picked up the win, obviously. You know, I, think, I think Private Party are going to be their little uh, bubbling under the surface mid-card tag act. I mean, if there's one thing that we know about AEW, it's that they are, they're going to have tag teams, they're going to have a proper tag team division, uh, they're going to have numerous tag teams on the go at once, and, and that's great. Um, so yeah, I think that's I think that's their mid-card team to, to, to watch. Uh, you were right to skip the rest of the pre-show, so here's what else we had. The Librarians came out, um, and this was not over in front of the Double or Nothing fans. It was even less over in front of the video game convention fans. For anyone who didn't watch this show, this was a tape that CEO, which is the fighting game convention thing. Yeah. Now, to be fair, I would say a huge volume of wrestling fans just went to this. Uh, I don't think it was just people milling around from the convention. I mean, you had to buy tickets to go. It was a real, it was yeah, a real yeah. wrestling fans. But there was a strong contingent of, of people there who it feel like they didn't quite get some of the acts, and they were very into some of the fighting game humor that was on the show. Um, uh, they were, generally speaking, I thought it was a, a good, positive crowd, but it was not as rabid as Double or Nothing. Hmm. 
so uh, uh, so the librarians came out, Leva Bates and uh, Peter Avalon. It's just, it's complete death. It's such a terrible act. Uh, they were interrupted by Ali, uh, formerly of Impact, hmm. who is very good. I like her, but it was Ali versus Leva Bates, and it was really bad. It was... Uh, uh, just a very plodding, kind of clumsy match that was not very entertaining. And, uh, and uh, Ali won. So, yeah, that was that. Uh, then, uh, intermittently throughout this pre-show, we got skits of Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks basically doing parodies of the Fire Festival documentaries. Uh, it was not funny. I saw I saw the first one. Um, and it, 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 it was not even a subtle parody. They were just doing you know almost doing fire festival references rather than even it being a parody of that yeah there there wasn't a punchline to it it was just kind of oh it's oh it's not working oh oh we're t-. they didn't even do a blowjob joke like you know just why even bother mm. but uh yeah so those were good and then the final match of the pre-show was uh michael nakazawa versus uh, alex jibaley jibaley is the organizer of ceo where this was taped uh, as non-wrestler matches go, there were parts of this that were very over. Uh, Jabaley took a spear off the apron through a table, and they 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 threw each other into the pool at ringside, which got a pop. That stuff worked, but Jabaley, like, it feels weird criticizing him because he's not a wrestler. But oh, his strikes were just horrendous. It was it was these were like the worst strikes you've ever seen. Like Charmel and Jenna levels of just just right. just moving your hand in the guy's direction, like terrified that he'd actually hit this wrestler. Um, uh, yeah, Nakazawa seemed like a competent guy who was doing his best to, to make it watchable, but uh, it, at the very least, it was over. Uh, the crowd got into it because they they knew who Jabali was, but uh, but yeah. Uh, so that was that, and mercifully that was over. And then, as he did at the previous time, JR gets an entrance at the end of the pre-show to set up him coming out of the main show, which is funny. Yeah. Uh, and so the main show commentary team was Excalibur, JR, and Golden Boy, who's an esports commentator, and I have to say, he actually did all right. I, yeah, I was I was impressed. I know I know very very like I recognize the name Golden Boy, but I, w- I wouldn't have never seen him before. But you uh, were good. Yeah, uh, no Alex Marvez. Thank the, the Lord Jeebus. Yeah, the 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 green guy who doesn't commentate pro wrestling was a lot better than Marvez. Uh, unfortunately for Marvez, Excalibur was as good as you would expect, and Jim Ross. Yeah, Jim Ross was. Jim, he was. He Jim was, Ross had, had had a bit of a nice. I thought. I thought he had a bit of a nice. I I thought he the stuff he does well. He did well, but then he'd make these weird fish out of water references that didn't kind of work like that he himself was a fish out of water where well uh, video games yeah is that going to a track there uh i mean that was kind of funny but then there was also like but the point of the promotion is to be cutting edge and new so that doesn't really work for me but there's there's no point in him pretending that he knows that stuff because i think people would see through it as fake but don't just just don't bring attention to it then uh, uh, Excalibur, I think Shades of PUBG, I think Kenny Omega's <laughs> looking for a winner, winner, chicken dinner here. <laughs> uh, uh, well, actually, if, if, if the, they, the if they fed him some little the, lines like those, that would be funny. The, the Royal Rumble was very much the uh, uh, original Fortnite. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, back in 82, Jim Duggan made a uh, barricade to stop himself from being uh, thrown out. You know. But, um, yeah, 
So, so there was a little more, and then there was moments where, like during the 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 match with the Joshi stars and Nyla Rose, he started rambling about his daughter, like or his daughters during the match. It was just very weird. But you know, and generally speaking, I think he did an all right job again. This was not one of his like train wreck New Japan appearances or anything like that. No. Um, uh, so he 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 did all right overall. Uh, opener of the main show was Christopher Daniels versus Shima. Uh, I think, like Double or Nothing, I think this show had a good transition where most of the shite was on the pre-show, um, uh, which makes me wonder why they do it. It seems like they're very deliberately putting the questionable stuff uh, on not the real show, which makes me think there's an internal strife to not have it on the show at all. Right. But uh, but I digress. So so uh, Shima versus Christopher Daniels, Shima won. Uh, he's facing Kenny Omega at Fight for the Fallen, so that makes sense. So you know, uh, I think I think they're having you know smart booking. Generally speaking, I think you know they've they've stuck to their thing about no no chicanery at the finishes, which I enjoy. Well, I like I like uh, specifically that pe- people who have big matches coming up win their matches here. Yeah, hmm, makes sense. Uh, uh, and you know, uh, you know, just men beating men, and and if you don't win, you're just not the best man on that particular night, and and you know. That's not the end of the world either. I, I think that's that's a great way to do it. Uh, I thought this match was all right. Nothing nothing crazy. Obviously, two guys who are pushing on at this stage. Yeah, two veterans, uh, for sure. Two, two vets. Daniels, I will say this much. Daniels does not look like a guy who's almost the same age as Chris, as, uh, Chris Jericho. No. Uh, he's he's still in good shape. He still moves around very well. And these are two smart fellas as well who, who know how to put a match together. So just really solid stuff. Uh, second match was uh, Rio and Yuka. Uh, sorry, Rio versus Yuka versus Nyla Rose. Like, they framed it like a handicap match, but it was actually a three-way. Uh, uh, this was way better than I was expecting. Yes. Uh, obviously, the uh, the Joshi stars, they did very well last month in their, in their six-woman tag, but that was kind of a spot fest where they all got to look good. And then uh, uh, Nyla Rose got very much overshadowed last time. Uh, not only by the debut of Cog, but then she just kind of didn't do anything in the match. Um, I thought this was a great showcase of uh, of Nyla. Yeah, it was it was really good. Um, I was trying to remember. I remember Yuka. Well, Yuka and Rio were in the obviously the six women match the last day, but. Uh, I remember Yuka. I remember liking a lot. I couldn't remember much of Rio from the last match, but um, yeah, I was, I was expecting obviously that it was going to be a handicap match, as it was kind of as you say framed that way. But what they would do is they would beat up on Nyla or get beaten up by Nyla, and then they would kind of face off for a little while. It was very little of one of them versus Nyla. It was either two on one or the two little. Japanese ladies against each other. And they are very little. They're very tiny little, little women. Made, uh, made, it, it really, it, they really did a lot of work to, to improve Nyla's uh, standing from last month by putting her against these absolutely tiny ladies. Um, well, that's um, how you do it, though. That's 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 how you do it. Um, one thing I will say: this is kind of a minor criticism across the board. I thought pretty much all of the matches went a bit longer than I would have liked, uh, including this one. Uh, but the positive of that is that they. They managed to let everyone shine, so the so the the Joshi started shine, and then Nyla also got to shine. Um, she was really working hard. She did her big top rope knee and all this other stuff. 
Um, that was great. I was shocked by the finish. Uh, Rio rolled up Nyla to, to, to win. I did not see that coming at all. And then I, I didn't understand what the point after the match was. Of She shoved down Yuka. Almost like a almost like a heel turn. I didn't understand what that was about after a big win. But uh, uh, I think it was just supposed to be a generic kind of every woman for herself thing. But yeah, but <laughs> Rio, I don't know anything about her. Maybe she's an incredible heel in Japan, but she doesn't strike me as a, she strikes me as a very natural baby face. Yeah, Yuka even more so, I think. Yes, yeah, Yuka's very uh, bubbly, which I really like. Um, so uh, what was match three? I, don't, I actually don't have the match rundown. Uh, it was Hangman Page, MJF, Jungle Boy, Jimmy Havoc. This is all right. All right. Little, I don't know uh, if it was good in this. Um, I tend to not like MJF, but I did like his promo at the start. I thought it was funny. It was, but it was also like... No, I, I liked it this time. I, th- I think I remember... Oh, at a common denominator your mom swallows. Like, <laughs> Oh, you are so easy to get, aren't you? I, don't, I remember at OTT when he was there, the, the first talent show. I was just kind of, you know, it's all right. But, um, and even the first uh, Double or Nothing, well, the only Double or Nothing, I, I wasn't really won over, but here I kind of, I like the shtick, and, um, yeah, I thought the match itself was quite good. Hangman Page, I still don't really get, he, he's just very generic. Um, yeah, I really feel like that's a... Maybe not necessarily a being the elite thing, but like watching Ring of Honor when the elite were there thing. Maybe mm. um, I don't, I don't get it either. Like he's he's big. He looks like a WWE right? He, he looks like a WWF wrestler. You know what I mean? Well, he's they made tall. reference in the match that he looks a little bit like uh, a younger Chris Jericho. He's got that kind yeah. of physique. He looks like Jungle Boy if Jungle Boy had a physique Vince McMahon would like. <laughs> <laughs> twice the size he currently is you mean <laughs> yeah um, yeah it is like I, I think there's no problem with them building him up to be like a, a, a you know uh, a baby face foil or although mm, I mm, I presume he beats Jericho does he beat Jericho for the title do you think I don't know I think it's a weird first champion to have especially yeah, going, up, going on to TV I think you nearly need to have Jericho as a champion Oh God! I mean, I like I like Jericho stuff all right lately, but not. I don't know. Anyway, Jimmy yeah. Havoc. Um, I didn't hate here either. I think everything he did, he did all right. They took the. Oh, he, he fucking obliterated. What? Which, who said was the MJF's ribs with that double stomp? Well, yeah, but that's what a double stomp always looks like. Yeah, but it's a work. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've seen a worse double stomp recently. Who was double stomping recently? Was it maybe in the the ironically Jimmy Havoc, the one he did on um, Valkyrie? Uh, I think was really bad at the OTT. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's weird because like we've we've pondered the fascination with Jimmy Havoc on here before, but then in this match he was just there to kind of eat the pin. So yeah. Uh, yeah, he, although he's a guy that you don't need to push or protect in any kind of meaningful way. I think, you know, he, he, he <laughs> I just do be a, a weird old lower card guy who has, uh, you know, violent matches once, once upon a game. I do like the constant references to him being really old. That is good. That is funny. Because he, uh, <laughs> he does have the little, oh, he's got the little Valdi spot on the back of his head. Oh, anyway. 
Poor lad. It's a struggle. It is a struggle. Um. Well, you eventually will get the payoff of the hair versus hair match where he gets his head shaved. Um. Then you had Cody Darby Allen. I think this is probably my favorite match of the show. I liked it when it was all said and done, but Jesus, I thought when Cody was in control in the middle, fucking hell, it was boring. Well, Cody's quite boring as a kind it, of real song. It, it really, like, I, I think he's playing a very clever game here where he did the Dustin thing, and then this match, I mean, it's very hard to have a boring match with Darby Allen. Exactly. Um, so I think he's playing it very clever. And overall, I don't think it was boring. I thought cool stuff early and obviously like the last five minutes were great but yeah god he was just wearing him down like a mid-carder on an episode of Smackdown and it was really dry for most of it uh, and obviously Darby took that one wild bump but for a lot of it not even Darby could really do anything with it because he was sitting there in like a chicken wing or whatever you know <laughs> I don't think it was too much of that to be fair it wasn't, it wasn't too holdy um, obviously the coffin drop spot was the uh the highlight oh christ don't be doing that lad yeah i i hope i hope that was just a here's my first big match on an international stage i'll i'll uh, i'll i'll go all out but fucking hell and it was in the worst way it was pitch perfect he hit he hit the apron bang on with the with the curve of his spine on the on the curve of the apron uh fucking hell it was brutal and then they uh they kind of paid homage to kind of one of his big Darby's big feuds with Ethan Page with the uh, body bag yeah. uh, it was a, bi- a big thing that they used a lot in that feud uh, although Cody puts Darby in the bag and then hits his disaster kick and, and, and Darby kind of crumples to the ground and the crowd laughs uh, well, I, I think the the kick didn't look very forceful so it, it kind of looked like he hit him with a wet fart of a kick okay yeah, I, I can see that um but yeah, an and interesting finish because I, I would have assumed Cody was going to win and Darby's the kind of guy who takes a lot of losses anyway. Uh, but they actually did a finish where Darby was like holding his own uh, and then Cody hit him with the crossroads and was about to beat him, but the time ran out. Uh, it was weird in the sense that one would assume they did it to protect Darby Allen, but he yeah. was beaten anyway. It was like, you know, the, the old visual pin. Like Cody had him beaten. It was only he only didn't beat him on a technicality. That the time ran out. That is the weird thing about this particular version of the draw finish. Is yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's, so, basically, if the match was was twenty minutes and w- one second long, Cody would have won. So, you know, hypothetically, there's a rematch there, but for what? Like the top star basically had the match won. So, what difference does it make? You know, exactly. Um, so yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, then uh, they had a run-in by Sean Spears, who was officially signed. You'll recall he is a geek from the other one. <laughs> you recall he's a fucking jabron from, uh, from WWE. You recall he's a complete geek who'll get pushed because he's mates with your man. Yeah. Um, then he, <laughs> he came up to his mate and he nailed him in the head with a chair shot. Uh, completely unprotected. Cody, like co- co- Cody, like going out of his way to have his hands by his waist, taking this chair shot. Um, uh, As you just said a few minutes ago, it's a fucking work. Yeah. Why are you not putting your hands up for that? It's a and, and split uh, split the back of his head as well. 
kind of a kind of a, a freak accident in the sense that he hits him on one side of the head but cuts open his other hand and if you slow down the the, the footage basically the the backrest of the chair uh, kind of as Cody's head was denting the rest of the chair, the backrest cut into the back of his head. Nasty business. Um, yeah, you know, I, I could probably do without this. If this was my promotion, I, I wouldn't be doing this. I mean, I, I enjoyed the thrill of a chair shot to the head. But as I've been saying for the longest time, it's it's a work. You can you can put your hands up and not really take the chair to the head and pretend like you got hit in the head with it. Wrestlers have been doing it for years. Yeah, uh, I think I think he could have um, handled it a, a lot better. If you want to bring back using chairs to the head, but in a protected manner, that's fine. But doing this ECW style uh, uh, shit was was ill advised, and more so than the than the basics of taking a chair shot. He got hurt in the process of taking it. Um, you know, so. Uh, yeah, but anyway, I think the re- yeah you you pointed out there. I mean, yeah, you know, their buddies. Um, I can't I can't imagine this is going to be a thrilling view to watch unfold. Uh, I mean, I think he's all right. Um, Sean, it's gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to get used to calling him Sean Spears, Ty Dillinger. Uh, but he's like he's he's definitely got the stink of being a geek on him. Yep. Um, more so than I think anyone else in the company. And, like, he's in a feud with Cody, who has, you know, is perceived as a top guy and is obviously not going to lose, you know, um, or not lose to this guy, you know, but especially in, in a company where they're not doing uh, run-ins and bullshit finishes and chicanery. Um, but I'm guessing Cody's the babyface now in this as well, based on the that's nature of the weird of thing about this match, um, you know what I mean, is who was the babyface in this match? It wasn't clear. Well, I took it as Darby Allen was, based on the... Yep. Cody, Cody would kind of was kind of posing between spots. Well, Cody's like the hero of the company. Well, I mean, he was the heel against. The, yeah, well, let, let's let's do our timeline here of the, the two shows they've done. Uh, Cody was the heel against Dustin, and then after the match, they had the reunion. Let's say, and then here he's wrestling a man half his size, and kind of doing little poses here and there. Kind of working heel. I, I, I think the style he worked was heel. I think you can kind of say. Like, put them in the body bag and give them the kick isn't exactly a, a super babyface spot. But then he gets hit with, the ba- cha- hits with the chair at the end of the match. So, I don't know. He's, he's kind of... He's flip-flopping more than the big show, and they've only done two shows. So, who knows? But, yeah. This uh, Sean Spears-Cody match, I don't think is going to be a match of the year candidate. When they do it finally, you have to assume that's going to be done at all. Uh, out. Oh, and by the way, did you notice how many times they got confused? The commentators between uh, all elite, all in, all out. <laughs> yes, yeah. Call your shows different things that aren't so close to the name of your company. For God's sake, until yeah. people are used to it. That aren't yeah, that aren't so der- derivative, yeah. Also, uh, why are all the pre-shows called the buy-in, which I guess was a gambling pun for double or nothing? Why is this the buy-in? I guess because they want to have uniformity on it, like uh, like the kickoff show. But they're, all their pay-per-views aren't gambling uh, themed. It's what, it's, well, it's what the fans remember, Paul. Alright, fair enough. Uh, I mean, I'm not Tony Khan here, but... 
we uh, we had the uh, the tag team match. Yes. Uh, between the Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid and Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Elise had a Street Fighter-themed entrance that I thought was actually very cool. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Omega was Akuma, which is uh, a nice little touch. And they went out and they kind of did the match they did the month before, but kind of amped it up a little bit, because obviously they had some extra men involved. Uh, I will say, I thought they did lots of cool stuff in this match. I thought it got a bit too rehearsed in places, and I thought it felt a lot like kind of a soulless version of the Double or Nothing match. I completely agree. Um, yeah. I, while I, as you recall, uh, I think the match from Double or Nothing was my blow away favorite, even over the Cody Dust Dustin match, because I just thought it was so far ahead of what any other company is doing tag team wise it was just so fast and crazy and fun and this i don't know that i necessarily say it was soulless but it definitely felt just very functional and yeah. uh at no I, I at no point did i get into it like i did with the uh the double or nothing match which is a shame because you would think right you have young bucks lucha brothers okay who can we add to that to make it even better let's do laredo kid and kenny omega I would have thought, all right, that sounds good. But actually, yeah, I think more adding more to it actually took away from it, ironically. Yeah, which is a shame because I think, on, on, you know, towards the end they did some Laredo Kid, Kenny Omega stuff, and I was like, I think I would like to see them have a singles match. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I just think they did an awful lot of stuff here and it didn't flow very well. Um, so, yeah. It was, it, I mean, it was still very good. But uh, that Young Bucks Lucha Brothers match was was something else at the at Dublin North. Oh, I need to watch that again. It was that good. Mm. And that was quote unquote the end of the broadcast. They kept trying to say so. The main event was a, a non-sanctioned match, and they were doing lots of very cringy attempts to make it seem like the match was unauthorized or, or you know, some kind of unpermitted match. It was uh, Joey Janela versus John Moxley. Um, uh, in a um, in a, uh, a hardcore match, in a, in a hardcore match, yeah, in a death match, with the story kind of being that you know Janela is the new kid in town in terms of doing all the wild hardcore shit, and and Moxley, you know, he's trying to say his years are behind him, and um, yeah, so they had what I thought was a pretty good match. I, I would be, you would think based on some of the stunts they did that it would be an incredible match, but it it, it did also kind of have that thing of they were just kind of setting stuff up, and it was just kind of it, it was like a hardcore showcase more than any kind of fight. Um, and to be fair, that was kind of the point. The point was not that they necessarily hated each other; it's just that Janela was the new kid on the block, and Moxley was still trying to prove he could go. Mm. Um, I did think it was funny though that that. Moxley left his cushy job in WWE, with the, but but he hated it. Uh, to come <laughs> roll around in thumbtacks and and barbed wire uh, to prove how tough he is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I did quite enjoy it, um, but it it felt like a WWE match. It didn't feel like I I was nearly expecting maybe, maybe foolishly something a bit more indie hardcore you know your deathmatch czw style without being too crazy but something more along those lines but you know they use the old apart from the thumbtacks they use the old tables they use the old chair like stuff you've seen a million times and i was i was maybe expecting something a wee bit 
more dangerous than what we got. Um, I guess because I also I'd already been exposed uh, in person about five feet away from the old barefoot thumbtack spot that if I hadn't seen that before, that would have been maybe something that would have stuck out to me. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah I mean, it was fun. I, I, I wouldn't go any further than that. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, uh, then Kenny Omega came to get Retribution on John Moxley. Um, they had a fight all over the arena. I, I did enjoy that. I thought I enjoyed them beating the hell out of each other. Kenny doing the big double stomp on the table. Um, well, that that I think should have been the last spot because that looked like the that was kind of the peak in terms of violence of what he did. Then he was doing like a you know comedic kind of guitar solo that hit them with a guitar and stuff. Yeah, I, I, when they went up, I well, I was all about. Um, them using the the festival props at some point in the show, but then when Kenny did it at that late point in the show, I was like, ah, that's not what I want. Um, so that was unfortunate. But yeah, uh, so it's Omega versus Moxley at All Out, and um, yeah, we roll on to Fight for the Fallen next month, which has the uh, Rhodes Brothers versus the Young Bucks and Shima versus Kenny Omega. Uh, so so this was uh, another good show, I thought. Um, uh, from the AEW boys. Yeah, it didn't uh, quite have that big feeling that Double or Nothing had. But it was no. a, a very fun, a very capable show. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, the, the feeling that they, they, when it comes to bell to bell, they have their heads screwed on straight. I will say that uh, they need to figure out, you know, what they want the tone of this promotion to be because the comedy is really falling flat for me. And it, it really runs counter to the... Um, uh, to a lot of, of what the more serious stuff is. So well, this far. is the thing. I think early on, they're trying to satisfy both, you know, people who are just tuned into it as, as a wrestling show, let's say lapsed WWE fans, uh, or discontent WWE fans, but they're also trying to satisfy the being the elite YouTube uh, watchers. Uh, so I, I can speak as someone who, you know, I'm very interested in AEW as an alternative, but I don't at all watch being the elite. No, so all that stuff and the focus, the backstage focus on the Young Bucks and Omega, and that that goes right over my head for the most part. Um, which, you know, not to say I don't understand it, but I, I don't care at all for it. And yeah, it, it kind of gives this show more so here than before, but I think it kind of gives it a bit of a lopsided, uneven feel. That, that you know, when between matches, it just feels like a vanity more so than ever a vanity project for these guys. And I think, as I said earlier, sometimes less is more. Because when when, when it came to the time of the tag team match with Omega and the Bucks, it was like the fourth or fifth time they'd appeared on the show already. Yeah. Yeah. You're a bit tired by then. Uh, I did like the Hadouken spot, though. Yeah, that was good. That was a nice touch, especially given the setting. (laughs) Did you get that one, Jim? The Hadouken. That's from Street Fighter. Yeah, I got it. I know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, I play, I play SNK. Actually. <laughs> I'm more of a Soul Calibur man. Have you uh, seen these uh, Skull Girls? Everyone's talking about. Very good. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Man. So, um, so, yeah, that was the uh, that was AEW. We're still enjoying the old AEW. Looking forward to their television debut in a few months. Yeah, uh, we will of course be here to talk about it. But for now. 
we're going to call it a show, folks. Thanks yeah. very much for listening. Again, a short one because we did we did one only five days ago. You have to give us time to do stuff to talk about. Yeah, you're, you're greedy. Yeah, mother. Yeah. Uh, so we will be back very soon to talk more about wrestling, talk about Townies Week. We'll have our various uh, entertainment goffs and whatnot. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, that's going to be it for this week. It's a goodbye and thank you from me, Barry. It's goodbye and thank you from Paul Griffin. Goodbye. And we'll see you next week. Bye.